one of the cool things about this season, and I'll be the first to admit, as, as a worship leader, one of, one of the hardest things is coming into the Christmas season, because Christmas songs are just hard to play, and they're kind of awkward, and they're, and they're not like usual worship songs that you're usually playing throughout the year, and so it's this shift for you, but then... But then most people will say, oh, well, Pastor Zach doesn't like Christmas music. Well, I, sort of, <laughs> sort of. But when I'm walking around in a store outside in my city and I'm hearing people sing the name Emmanuel, God with us, in a store has nothing to do with Jesus, and people are singing along. I hear the echo of all the earth singing the praise of our king. Come on. How cool is that? I can get down with that. <laughs> Today we're talking about Advent peace. Advent peace. Last week Pastor Warren talked to us about hope. He did an amazing job. I love the things that we talk about in Advent, these very real characteristics of our God. Hope and peace. We're going to jump in our Bibles right away. If you have it, go ahead and open it. We're going to get into Luke, Luke 2. We're going to go to Luke 2, verse 12. For those of you guys taking notes, this is going to go in the NT section of your verses, the New Testament. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. Okay? Luke chapter 2. We're starting in verse 12. Now, understand that the shepherds were all watching the flocks, right? And what happens is the angels come to proclaim something to the shepherds. They come to proclaim the coming of the king. Listen to this. Verse 12, it starts with this. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. And lying in a manger, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. How interesting. How interesting. When the angels appear to the shepherds, they're proclaiming a message of peace. But this is a very specific peace. A very, very specific peace. This is a peace to those who have God's favor. Now, what is this favor? And, and what is this peace? See, the, the Bible tells us that it, for those who find me, find life. And receive favor from the Lord. These are the people of God. The people of our King. God's peace is quite different than this general concept of peace. This generalized idea of peace that we run around with in our world. This is God's peace that we're talking about. It's not a promise of external calm. Hear this. It's not a promise of external calm, right? But internal stability through eternal security, okay? 
internal stability through eternal security. Think about this. Do you guys remember when Jesus and the disciples were out on the boat? And a storm starts brewing. And it starts getting crazy. So crazy that the disciples actually think they are going to die. Jesus is over there taking a nap. And they're like, Jesus, what, what do you, Lord, help us, Lord, help us. What are you, are you, you going to let us drown? We're going to die. What are you, what is happening? How can you rest? <laughs> and what does Jesus do? He gets up, he rebukes the storm and whoosh, it stops. He rebukes the storm. He says, stop, be still, stop. And then he goes, oh, you have little faith. Jesus recognized recognized the security that he had and what happened there was a stability within him while everybody else was freaking out about the external circumstances there was a stability in our savior the greek word uh we're gonna try this okay erene erene say that erene yeah, I know. Roll that Erene, right? Erene, the Greek. And this is the Greek word for, for peace. And the Hebrew is shalom, expressing this idea of peace. But this is more, peace is more than just our idea of peace. Listen to this. It's, it's well-being. It's restoration. It's reconciliation with God. It's wholeness. It's, to, it's put back together. It is the fullest sense of salvation. It is a warring people against God who live in sin, taking the sin off so that we don't have to be separated by a void anymore and coming back together. The void closes when it comes to peace. You hear that? The void closes when it comes to peace. It brings everything back into unity. And our God is the God of peace. Jehovah Shalom. The God of peace. The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. It is, in fact, the very part of his nature. Peace. Peace. And unity. Interesting. This is really interesting. The shepherds, they're probably watching a temple flock, okay? So this means that the, the flock was set aside. It was this flock that the, that the shepherds were, uh, were grooming and, and taking care of in order that they might be used for sacrifices later. And they were probably watching it from a tower called the Mid, Midgal Eder, the watchtower of the flock a lookout place where they could take care of the flock and if somebody were to attack, they could bring the flock into this place where they would be safe, right? And, and, and the priests would maintain ceremonially clean stalls and they would carefully oversee the birth of each lamb because, well, these lambs had to be a, a good sacrifice, a good offering to the Lord. Now, it's interesting because these shepherds probably thought that the angelic favor was connected to their observance of the law. But unfortunately, being favored had not brought the peace they were expecting. Do you guys remember King Herod? Herod, Herod the Great, he had this thing called the Herodians. <laughs> he was super humble. 
Herod the Great. <laughs> he had this thing called the Herodians. And Josephus, an, a, a first century historian, wrote about how there used to be two hills out there. And Herod paid thousands of workers to go and demolish one of the hills and then use that to level off the other one. And then he could build his Herodian, and, and there's this massive palace, right? Massive palace. The buildings covered like 25 acres, and, and, and there was gardens and, and reception halls and bathhouses and, and countless apartments and pools and 600-foot-long terraces. And I, I, the buildings actually covered 45 acres, excuse me, 45 acres of land. And then it was surrounded by 200 acres of palace grounds. Man, look at the splendor. <laughs> Man, you, we live in Colorado. You buy an acre, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, right? It's crazy. I mean, think about the splendor of this. And the people could see this thing because it was up on a hill. And because it was up on a hill, the shadow would fall on all the villages around. So they were actually, genuinely living in the shadow of this greatness, of this favor interesting but see they they knew they were the favored people of God they were the chosen people of God they were acting out in in observance with the law putting putting together the the uh the lambs to get them ready for the sacrifice but they didn't see peace they didn't experience the peace they lived under the tyranny of Herod not only that but they were also under the Roman Empire. And before that, they were under all sorts of other people going down the line. So they had seen this favoritism, this, this favor, but they hadn't seen the peace. They hadn't seen the peace. See, keep in mind that, you know, Herod, he made his name smoking out uh, Jewish refugees, hiding in cliff sides and caves pulling them out and throwing them down cliffs. And when, he, when he laid siege to Jerusalem, his soldiers did horrible things to women and children and even the soldiers that were there. <laughs> Listen to this. When he saw that his death was near, he commanded his troops to execute other public figures when he died so that people would mourn even if they didn't mourn for him. Okay, you want to talk about tyranny? Let's talk about tyranny. Come on. So they knew they, had the, they were the favored people of God. But they didn't know the peace of God. It is in this context that the angels proclaim peace on earth. They proclaim peace on earth to those on whom God's favor rests. So the Jewish people were certain they were favored, but they sure hadn't found peace. What is this favor? What is this promised peace? This, this proclamation clearly did not mean that peace would occur when Herod was dethroned or when the Roman Empire fell. It wasn't this political, external storm that they were facing. It did not mean that schools were exempt from tragedy, that hurricanes would disappear, that cancer would be cured. All these external storms and wars that wage against us. No. 
No, they announced a peace that could be found for those who God saved. The people of God. This peace in Greek has the idea of wholeness. Wholeness. Being made whole. All the parts knit together. Any puzzlers out there? Anybody like puzzles? Yeah? Some puzzlers? Okay. All right. There's some puzzlers. When you're building a puzzle, now if you're like me, you use the box. And you set the box up so you can see the picture. Because that's your aim. That's where you're going. That's what you want to see completed. That's what you want to see at the end of all this. That is what I want to see. Because that is how this puzzle is supposed to be. So you hold it out there and you start building and you go, okay, da, 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 that's going to go there. Mm-hmm, and here we go. And you're starting to go to town. Now, has anybody ever made the mistake of buying a puzzle at a yard sale? Okay, y'all laugh because you know exactly where I'm going with this. You're building your puzzle and you're getting it all done and you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is going to be so beautiful. And then you start realizing there's a lot of holes here. I only have like four pieces left, but there's like 13 holes. And then you realize that your puzzle is broken. It's missing pieces. The puzzle won't be made whole because you don't have all the pieces. We are a broken people. Do you realize this? All fall short and have sinned. All of us. All of us. No, not one is good, the Bible says. No, not one. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are a broken people, and we don't have all the pieces we need to put ourselves back together. But God does. God has the pieces to put you back together. Your puzzle is incomplete because you don't have all the pieces. (laughs) But God does. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. It takes all of it. All of it has to work together. It's when heart, soul, mind, and strength all love God. All of you is surrendered to God to finish the puzzle. Isn't that like the most gratifying piece, though? Finishing the puzzle. Yeah, I did it. I finished this puzzle. And that looks great. It looks just like the box. I love it. God wants to put that piece in because you don't have those pieces. All of it, all of it points back to him. It's when body, soul, and spirit are unified and reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that would would take away the sins of the world. He would be peace between God and his people. We could not do it, not of our works, but rather his gift. You hear that? We couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't do it. But he gifted it. He gave it to us. His atoning sacrifice gave us that peace, washed the sin side, washed us clean so that we could come 
back into unity with the Father. Come back into the presence of God. He put all the pieces together. He put them all together. It's not a promise of external calm, but a promise of internal stability. I love this. Uh, it, it made me think of uh, uh, Ephesians. In Ephesians 6, if you have your Bibles, jump over there with me. Ephesians 6, when, when Paul is talking about the full armor of God, he says, therefore put on the full armor of God, and this is verse 13 in chapter 6, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet, listen to this part, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Okay, whoa. Okay, hang on now. Our feet, our feet are the things that give us stability, right? When we're living life, when we're going. The, our feet, this, everything goes up from here. And we're supposed to find our stability and peace. This is no accident, friends. This is no misprint. This is, no, this is God's design in his word. Think about it. Stand firm in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace and stability. Paul, he talks about uh, a little bit earlier in, in, in Ephesians. He, listen, he's talking to the early churches and trying to help them figure out how to come together. Because the Gentiles, the, the pagans, the, the ones who weren't the Jews, the, they weren't the chosen people of God before, are now part of the chosen. They are grafted into the family now. And they're all trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this with, with the Jewish converts? And then, you know, they, they were already part of the covenant before. And now, now, like, how do we do this? They're trying to figure this out. There's, there's still this division because they haven't quite figured out the peace of God. But listen to this. Paul talks to us about it in Ephesians 2, verse 12, so starting in verse 12. Listen to this. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope, without God in the world. We were excluded. We were separate, right? This separation. We were separate. Then he goes on. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility is gone. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death 
their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. It goes on to say, for through him we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit united as one. The unity that Jesus prayed for in the garden. Father, let him be one as you and I are one. That unity. The peace that is theirs. We can't have peace if we are over here and God is over here. We must walk together in unity. So what is peace? (laughs) This is reconciliation with God. Through Christ. That's what peace is. Reconciliation with God through Christ. See, we deal with some of the same misunderstandings that peoples from all across the eras before us deal with. We don't understand peace the way that God is peace. We don't understand it in the very way that he says, that he embodies it as wholeness. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Live in God's peace. Listen to this. If we are going to live in God's peace, we have to guard God's peace in our lives. We have to guard God's peace in our lives. We can only get it through him. We know this. We can only get it through him. But once we get it, we have to guard it in our lives. We got to guard it. Above all else, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from it. Pastor Warren talked a little bit last week about how uh, what we pour into ourselves is what's going to come out, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth flows, right? Everything flows through the heart. It's kind of like a filter. Now, is our filter tainted or is our filter clean? It depends. It depends. Are we filtering with God and what the Bible teaches us? Or are we filtering everything with what the world tells us to do? If we're going to guard God's peace in our lives, we have to deal with destroyers of peace. There are going to be Destroyers of peace all around you. The storms will come. The storms will come. Are we going to freak out like the disciples on the boat? Lord! Are we going to fall? When calamity shows its ugly face? Or are we going to stand firm in the stability that we have in the peace of God? Listen to this. Jesus, John 14, 27, it says this. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. (laughs) So don't be troubled or afraid. We have a peace, heart and mind, that... The world cannot give. 
How often are we running to other things in this world to try and find peace? Isn't that what everybody's chasing after? Isn't that what everybody is running around trying to find? It's like our puzzle. I have a puzzle, and it's filled with holes. Now, this puzzle is given to me by God. And I don't have all these other pieces. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to go to all these other yard sales. <laughs> and I'm going to try and find other pieces that I can maybe fit in there. And I'm going to start trying to shove things in there and make a picture, and I'm going to be like, Picasso, all right. <laughs> How often are you trying to shove other pieces into place that aren't God's piece in your life? Be careful. Be careful. We have to deal with destroyers of peace. This made me think of uh, Jehu. Um, and uh, I was reading this the other day in my quiet time. And uh, uh, it was coming up. Uh, it's in Second Kings in chapter 9. We hear about Jehu, this, this king of Israel. He's, he's anointed by Elisha the prophet. He's anointed as the king. But there's this interesting fact that there already are kings. <laughs> now, what was happening right before Jehu came was Ahab and Jezebel, and they were doing all sorts of horrible things. Go back and read it. You're going to want to read all about why God proclaimed over Ahab and his house that it was going to be destroyed. It was going to come to ruin. It was over. Jezebel, is, it, it was, she was going to come to ruin as well. Go back and read. But... Jehu is anointed king by Elisha. And he is going to be the tool, the vessel that enacts God's will for the downfall of Ahab's house and Jezebel. Interesting. Okay, so Jehu, he brings along with him an army. And he comes over to the city. And you got King Joram. And you got King Ahaziah. I'm trying to say that ten times fast. Ahaziah. All right, Joram and Ahaziah, they're, they're, they're in the city, and they see this army, and they see Jehu coming, and they go, what, what's going on here? What's going on here? Now, note, Joram and Ahaziah were being pretty good knuckleheads at this point. It says that they were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, just like Ahab, just like Jezebel, and Jehu's coming. Jehu's coming, and he's coming with the army. So they send out horsemen. Okay, hey, uh, why don't you go out and go ask Jehu if he comes in peace? Yeah, okay. They send out a horseman. And he goes out, and he says, Jehu, do you come in peace? And Jehu says, what, what do you have to do with peace? Fall in line behind me. Horseman falls in line behind him. And they go, okay, wait. What happened? Did you see what happened? I don't know what happened. What happened to our guy? Where'd he, where'd he go? Okay, hey, send another one out. Send another one out. Let's send another one. So they send out another one. Same thing happens. He gets out there. Jehu, are you, did you come in peace? What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. So he falls in behind him. And they're like, okay, something weird's going on. I've got this weird feeling that Jehu doesn't come in peace. 
So finally, Joram and Ahaziah go out to meet Joram, them, or, uh, to meet Jehu themselves. And they ride out to meet him themselves. And they go up to him and they say, Jehu, man, would you come in peace? And listen to the response of Jehu. Because this is going to rock your world. How can there be peace? How can there be peace, Jehu replied. As long as all the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abound. Now note, Jezebel was killing the prophets of God. And she was bringing other prophets of Baal, an idol, into Israel and trying to convince the people. She was trying to lead them astray, manipulating people and leading them astray into idol worship. She's leading them into idol worship. How can there be peace as long as all the idolatry abounds? Okay, where are you going with this, Pastor Brad? Where are you going with this? If you're trying to find hope and peace in something other than God, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. You'll be at war within yourself as you wrestle with idols that you try to prop up as your source of peace. Do you hear that? If I am wrestling, if I am propping up an idol, if I am propping up something else as my source of peace, it has become an idol in my life, and I no longer trust God to be the source of my peace. I no longer trust God to be the source of my peace if I'm giving an idol that place. What happens then? Then I can no longer be at peace with God. I'm waging war against myself. Moreover, and I can't come back into unity with God because I put an idol before him. Listen to this. Where do you try to find your peace? Man, a lot of people try to find it in popular culture. In pop culture, they try to find it in pop culture. But the Bible says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Well, the crowd is all about that. And if everybody's all about that, then maybe, is that where you're going to find your peace? I don't know about you, but I don't want to follow a bunch of sinful people into thinking what is right is right. That, that's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. We're all sinful and we're wrong. I tell my wife I'm right all the time. Does she believe that? No, of course not. <laughs> you laugh because you're like, yeah, dad's always right. <laughs> but I'm not. No, we're not. Why would we follow a crowd of sinful, broken people when they're saying something is right when we have the word of God that tells us that it's not right? Come on. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? It doesn't make any sense. Listen to this. A tradition. Tradition can become an idol that we prop up as our source of peace. Well, I've always done it. We've always done it. This oh, it brings joy and unity with us. Oh. Tradition. 
Listen to what Jesus said, though. He said, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You're no longer walking in obedience and unity with God. You're resting on tradition. Are you doing that in your life? Maybe. How about this one? Reason. Reason. Oh, man. Come on. If you don't raise your hand on this one, I know you're lying. Who in here has ever tried to reason their sin away? Come on. <laughs> I, I have done it. Let's go. Uh, reason your sin away. Oh, well, you know, I really did it because. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you laugh because you know I'm right. Well, I really did that because, and because the reason was, well, because the reason was so good. I mean, it, is it, I guess it's okay. Come on. We try to reason our sin away. Didn't we establish earlier, the only way to get rid of that sin is Jesus. He's the only one that can fill that. Reason our sin away. There is a way that seems right to man. I love this. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Do you know that the wages of sin is death? That's what the word says. The wages of sin is death. So if I try to reason my sin away, oh, well, my sin is okay. I'm just going to put it right over here. I'm just going to put it right over here. The re if I reason my sin into the corner, I'm still being led to death. I'm still being led to death. Let me reason it. Check this one out. Feelings. Feelings. Don't we all love feelings? Feelings. Come on. Don't we all have feelings? Feelings, the warms and fuzzies? At that time, there was a, no king in Israel. This is in Judges. <laughs> People did whatever they felt like doing. We feel like doing this. That's what we're going to do. Man, has there ever been a society ever that has given us more room to do whatever we feel like than this one. Has there? Sure, there's laws, sure. But boy, for the most part, I don't know if there has ever been a society in history that has allowed us to do whatever we feel like more than this one. And that is a very dangerous game. Because God calls us to obedience. God calls us to walk in obedience. This is a dangerous one for all of us Christians who are thinking, oh, well, I don't really follow popular culture. Oh, well, I don't really follow tradition. Oh, well, you know, I don't really reason. You're starting to reason with yourself. <laughs> this one, this one could be the one that trips you up. And I don't really feel like doing that today. You know what, I don't really feel like talking to them, even though they need to hear the word of God. I don't really feel like going and preaching this sermon, Lord. <laughs> Man, what if I just didn't show up today? <laughs> Pastor Warren would have had a cow. <laughs> I don't really feel... Wait, feelings they lead us astray the heart 
is deceptive above all things. Be careful. Be careful. We have to fight against these destroyers of peace. Anything that gets us out of the unity and the peace of God destroys our peace as a whole. <laughs> we also, in order, in order to guard God's peace in our life, we have to start developing an authentic relationship with our God. Listen to this in the Psalms. It says, there is lasting peace for those who love your teachings. Nothing can make those people stumble. The Bible talks about people who, the, the foolish, the foolish walk around in the dark and they know not what they stumble on. Why? Because it's dark. You wouldn't be able to see what you're stumbling on. You're stumbling. The foolish walk around in the dark and know not what they're stumbling on. But see, the wise, the wise are in the teaching and they see. They taste the word and they see the goodness of God. They see the path of God in their life. Do you love the teaching of God? I'll admit, sometimes I'm like, ooh, oh, ah, I'm not loving that one right now. Because the word of God is piercing. It's piercing. And sometimes it's like a barb. Oh, ooh, I'm not loving that right now. Do you love the word of God? Do you love the teaching of the Father? Because if you do, nothing can make you stumble. You'll stand firm on the rock of your salvation. You'll stand firm in that stability. We have to develop authentic relationships with God with time in the word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. This is Psalm 119 as well. Write that down, Psalm 119. You're going to want to read that later. <laughs> Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Are we stumbling around in the darkness because we're not in the word of God? Could be. And sometimes you run into trouble and you're like, I don't even know how I got here. Sounds like you're stumbling on something that you couldn't see. That happens to me sometimes. I'm like, I don't even know what, what is happening right now. I don't even know how I got here. And then I'm like, okay, let me, let me, let me bring this back. Okay, Lord, what did I miss here? <laughs> Do you love the teaching? We have to spend time in worship. I, Psalm 34, 1, it says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Now, before you guys go, whoa, 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 whoa. I heard that, Pastor Zach, you sing worship songs while you're walking around Walmart <laughs> and while you're walking around the grocery store. Yeah, I do. I, can't, I just can't help it. I do. Am I saying that you have to walk around Walmart singing Worship songs to our God. No, that's not what I'm saying. But should our should praise, the praise of our God and King always be on our lips? Oh yeah. Come on. Praise doesn't just mean singing. 
Christ, uplifting. Worship is to bow low, but lift God high. His praise should always be on our lips. Do we spend time in worship? And how about this one? Do you spend time in prayer? Time in prayer. We talked about this passage a few weeks ago, Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Interesting. Interesting, this, this division between anxiety and peace. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Note that it is in Christ Jesus that you can experience the transcendent peace that God has for you. It's in Him. Do we pray? Do we spend time in relationship communicating with our Father and King via that bridge that Jesus built for us? Don't be anxious about anything. But in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present them to God and the peace of God will be on you. This reminded me of uh, Psalm uh, 139, actually. Uh, You can write that one down too, guys. (laughs) Psalm 139. Listen to what it says here. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down when I travel, when I, when I am at home. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You know what I'll say before I say it. You hem me in behind and before You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. This this is so incredible, Lord. It's beyond understanding this peace that you have for me. You go before me. You come in behind me. You cover me from all areas, and you lay your hand of blessing on my life. I've never known a peace like this. What? Lord, this peace beyond all understanding. I am secure and at peace because of my relationship with Christ. I'm secure and at peace because of my relationship with Christ. Not because of something else I've done, but because he bridged the gap. He made the way. Listen to this. This worship team comes up. Galatians 6 says this, but it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable that I could ever brag about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ 
by his cross, my relationship to the world and its relationship to me have been crucified, put to death. Certainly, it doesn't matter whether a person is circumcised or not. Rather, what matters is being a new creation. The old is put to death, being born again as a new creation. Peace and mercy will come. Advent, the coming, right? We are celebrating the coming of our King, the incarnation of Christ. Surely, peace and mercy will come to rest on all those who conform to this principle, becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. How can we still be so anxious? Christians, saints, how can we still be so anxious? Jesus didn't die for you to have a life of anxiety. That's not what it's for. He came to give you a life of peace, a life in Him. He is the Prince of Peace. He wants to give you a life in communion and union with Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, not stuck in anxiety. What idol in your life is destroying your peace? What idol is it? What idol in your life have you propped up as your source of peace replacing God the Father? What is it? What is it that you've propped up as your source of peace? Often that can be related to rest. Maybe it's the TV. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's, maybe it's the news. I don't know how you find peace there, but have you propped that up as your banner, as your idol? Politics, your kids. What have you propped up as an idol, as your source of peace rather than God? With that in mind, I want us to be praying, praying David's prayer in Psalm 139. Listen to this. He says, search me, O God. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Is there some sort of idol in me, Lord, that's keeping me from the peace that you have for me? And lead me in the way everlasting. Don't let me live there. Don't let me live in this. Let me live in your peace, God. that be our prayer this week as we go about living day by day 
walking in obedience to the Father rather than all the other storms and sources out there. Let us live in His peace. Father, Father, we lift you up in thanksgiving. We lift you up knowing, God, that you have done marvelous things. You do marvelous things. Right now, Lord, you are doing marvelous things. And Father, we know that you will do marvelous things. Father, we lift you up in praise, humbling ourselves, knowing that we're imperfect people, broken people, Father. Knowing that you have the pieces. <laughs> you have the peace. Father, I pray as we leave today, I pray. I pray sincerely, God, knowing that you have power and might. I pray that you will show us this week. You will show us our hearts. You will show us our anxieties. You will show us all the things that are hiding within us. You will show us the idols that get in the way. Show us. Reveal them to us. Because revelation leads to transformation. And we want lives transformed. Not just ours, God, but that we can overflow and transform the lives of the people around us. We can transform the lives of the people of this city, God. And furthermore, the lives of the people in other cities. <laughs> Don't let us hold on to idols that keep us from your peace. Don't let it be. God, you are still in control. Remind us of that day in and day out. As we come and as we go, remind us that you are still in control. And because of that, we have peace. Amen.